If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Hollywood and Levine. Tonight, Ken Levine picks up his first Academy Award for the screenplay of The Me Generation by Me, growing up in the 60s. Thank you, Randy. That was Randy Thomas, who was the true star of this year's Oscar ceremony. As the offstage announcer, she was the host, and she did it flawlessly. So congratulations to Randy Thomas. Meanwhile, in the closing credits, hers was the only name omitted. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host, with my annual snarky, bitchy Oscar review. How many of you actually watched the ceremony Sunday night? Let me see. Show hands. Uh, Four. Okay. One disclaimer before I start. I'm a comedy writer and I am opinionated. So please take these observations in the spirit that they were intended to amuse. Warning. I will be making fun of things, but I am an equal opportunity offender, so please just have fun with this and don't call Gloria Allred. Thank you very much. Here we go. Well, first of all, here's all that you really need to know. Without an MC, without pizzas being delivered or selfies being taken, with no accounting firms being introduced, with no production numbers, no montage salutes to Jane Austen films, and no Gene Hirschald award being given out, the show still went 19 minutes over. Although, without that one speech from the woman in the red dress that looked like a frosted flower on a cake after someone sat in it, well, the show might have finished 10 minutes under. I love how the cake woman spoke forever and her partner finally managed to get out. I just want to thank the crew. A writer friend of mine, Richard Rosenstock, pretty much captured the night perfectly. And he said this, He said, this was like the Kirkland brand of Oscar shows. No distinction, no ambition, no charm, no distinctiveness, no celebration of what it actually is representing, but still qualifies as vodka. That pretty much says it all. It's kind of hard to have a rooting interest, isn't it, when no one's seen any of the movies? None of them were particularly exceptional, and no one cares. Also, let's face it, there were hardly any stars. Barbara Streisand, Samuel L. Jackson, and Julia Roberts. Okay, and maybe Brie Larson, you know, but that might just be because I'm in love with Brie Larson. But they were all in the last hour. And I guess you could also include Charlize Theron, 
now a brunette, adorned in a body-hugging, plain gray gown. She looked like Morticia Adams on her wedding day. And the rest, come on, let's face it, they were all B actors. Mike Myers and Dana Carvey? John Mulaney and Aquafina? What movies have they done? Kristen Ritter? What film have you seen her in? Kiki Lane? Now, before Beale Street, she did one guest appearance on Chicago Med. Where was Tom Hanks? Meryl Streep, George Clooney, Kate Blanchett, Kate Winslet, any Kate, Kate McKinnon, Leo, Matt Damon, Gal Gadot, Nicholson, Eastwood, Redford, Reese Witherspoon, Michael Douglas, Harrison Ford, Steven Spielberg. Well, of course, he never comes if he's not nominated. Will Smith. And he will come for 10 years if you just nominate him once. Martin Scorsese, Sidney Poitier, Sandra Bullock, Jennifer Lawrence, Scarlett Johansson, Margot Robbie, Tom Cruise, Denzel Washington, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Robert De Niro. The best song presenter was Constance Wu. And then, of course... There are the stars and industry moguls who can't be there because of sexual abuse charges, including the director from one of the Best Picture-nominated films. And here is how scarce the star power was. When they cut away to the audience, the best they could do was Alex Rodriguez. They couldn't even fill the presenter ranks with actors. Serena Williams, Chef Jose Andres, Trevor Noah, the guitar player from Rage Against the Machines, Congressman John Lewis, they were all up there. I mean, God love them, but Penelope Cruz wasn't available? Sure, she mangled every name, but she was in movies. Look, here is the big problem. The Motion Picture Academy is now clearly ABC's little bitch. And what happens when you let the network that thought putting Roseanne Barr on TV again was such a good idea dictate your product? Well, let's see. First came the announcement of a new category, Best Popular Movies, so ABC could attract young viewers by making Fifty Shades Freed an Oscar nominee. Well, then there was the backlash, and that killed that. Next came naming a host who was politically incorrect, so that ended that, and they couldn't fill the role. No one wanted it. Despite a six-figure income for one week, no one wanted to host. I don't even think that Seth MacFarlane wanted to host. Well, that was followed by the announcement that only the top two most popular songs would be performed, and Lady Gaga... God bless her, put a stop to that folly. But wait, there's more. They decided to present four categories during commercial breaks. And that caused an industry revolt. So the Academy backed off of that too. And every time that ABC tells the Academy to bend over and grab their ankles, it destroys their credibility that much more. Without credibility... They're nothing more than the MTV Movie Awards, but with movies that no one has ever seen. Well, this is the first year where the show should have begun with the In Memoriam segment. 
Now that said, Adam Lambert and what's left of Queen got things off to a rousing start. Then you had Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, and Maya Rudolph, and they did essentially an opening monologue reminding us of how much better the Golden Globes were when Tina and Amy hosted that. Now, I'm not quite sure why Maya Rudolph was included. You know, I guess it's like, you know, when your mom says that you can't go to the movies unless you also take your little sister. Well, Tina and Amy were very funny, as usual, and Maya made a wall joke. The set looked like it was designed by Antoni Gaudi. And then at one point, there was like this wide shot, and you saw the string of white lights kind of peeking out from under the top, and it kind of looked like the Oscars were being given away in the mouth of the whale from Pinocchio. By far, the best line of the night was this, I can't believe a film about menstruation just won an Oscar. (laughs) Since ABC also controls the red carpet shows, poor Sam Rubin of KTLA and his emaciated co-host Jessica Holmes were banished to four hours before the ceremonies. So, of course, no stars were there yet. Now, Will Smith would have been there if they had just nominated him, but no. So Sam and Jess wound up interviewing other red carpet hosts like someone from the Disney Channel and Wolfgang Puck. And always one to pose penetrating questions, Sam Rubin asked Wolfgang if stars got hungry. The ceremony featured a gala montage of movies, most of them not nominated, and narrated in part by Fred Rogers, whose superb documentary was not nominated. Meanwhile, the nominees were apparently told at the luncheon that they had 90 seconds from the time their names were announced to get up on stage and deliver their speech. However, I guess stars actually were hungry because no one listened. Plus, that's kind of a mean thing to do to some of these award winners who were way in the back. Took them five minutes just to get up to the stage. Poor Amy Adams is now 0 for 6, and Glenn Close is 0 for 7. Meanwhile, Kobe Bryant has an Oscar. Green Book? Best picture of the year? Really? Well, this was clearly the year of social relevance, and I guess Green Book was the more feel-good version of Black Klansman. Now, the commercials were actually more entertaining. They're certainly better than the Super Bowl. Now, there was a trailer, a movie trailer for Cliffs of Freedom. It had all these war scenes of these Turks and Greeks that waving machetes, and I thought, wow. Disney's new live version of Aladdin is really gritty. Spike Lee looked like a combination of a pimp and Mr. Conductor from Shining Time Station. And just like his movie, his speech just bludgeoned you with his message. It's like, I agree with the message. And it's like, enough already. Compare his obscenity-censored, heavy-handed rant with Mahershala Ali's elegant speech and said pretty much the same thing, only with class. 
So Bette Midler refused to sing Hello, Dolly on the Tonys, even though she was in Hello, Dolly on Broadway. She wouldn't do it. But she did agree to sing on the Academy Awards. Not divine, Miss M. Not divine at all. Melissa McCarthy and Brian Tyree were very, very funny, wearing exaggerated wardrobe from The Favorite, complete with these bunny puppets, which is an inside joke for the six people who actually saw The Favorite. Not being able to open the envelope with the puppet actually really made me laugh. The funniest person of the night, to be honest with you, was Best Actress winner Olivia Colman. Her speech was just delightful. It was very genuine, and it was filled with these, like, hilarious little asides. Let her host next year. Regina King thanked writer James Baldwin. Thank you for that. Okay, so Melissa McCarthy presented in a dress with a long, goofy train. Then costume design winner Ruth Carter came to the stage, and she had a long train. And then Jennifer Hudson singing some awful, screechy, Diane Warren ambulance siren of a song had a huge train as well. Since when did the Oscars become a bridal fair? Roma won the best foreign film, so how can it also be nominated for the best American film? Interesting about A Star is Born, I mean, it went from Oscar favorite to let's just give them something so Lady Gaga will show up. And I must say, I really did love Lady Gaga's speech. You know, when she drops the Gaga facade and is just Stephanie, the insecure kid who the mean girls probably beat the crap out of in high school. You know, she's very heartfelt and she really connects with young people. I thought her message was lovely. At one point, they showed Robert Iger, the COO of ABC, in the audience, but the shot was very brief. You couldn't see him manipulating the marionette strings. And speaking of ABC, happened to catch that promo they ran for their new spy show? (laughs) Yes, it was uh, centered around a tampon joke. Way to keep it classy, ABC. I have to be honest with you. I was glad Sam Elliott lost. Now, when he was nominated, his reaction was this. He said, well, it's about time. Yeah, finally, finally, the Academy is recognizing what a national treasure and a brilliant thespian you are. Yeah, see you on the ranch, the Netflix multi-camera sitcom. And we'll hear you do those Coors commercials. Rami Malek won Best Actor for Bohemian Rhapsody. Hey, it's hard to lip-sync Freddie Mercury with those prosthetic teeth. Okay, when the makeup winner was thanking that endless list of names, didn't you secretly wish they had presented that award during a commercial break? Hmm? (laughs) One good thing about this year's Oscar cast... Jim Carrey didn't present. The most excited winner was that woman from the documentary Skin. She just went batshit. It's like she won a car on The Price is Right. Now, I make fun 
But if I won an Oscar, oh, that would totally be me. I love that the In Memoriam segment just featured background music and not some American Idol contestant belting out Ava Maria. And I appreciated that they filled the screen with the people that they were saluting. Wow, what a tough year this was. Boy, we lost some true giants. But shame on the Academy for not including Stanley Donan. I mean, they can claim it was too late, the segment had already been produced, but that is bullshit. They could have included him if they wanted to. Hey, if he had died during the ceremony, they could have included him. Use some of that technology you give out awards for. And what made it even worse was that the president of the Motion Picture Academy introduced the segment. Meanwhile, I thought I saw Bob Iger's hands at the top of the screen moving the president's limbs. In any event, shame on them again. Casey Musgraves wore this frilly pink gown with a big poofy collar that looked like one of those loofah balls that you have in the shower. I was very happy that Spider-Man won for the best animated film. Hey, I actually saw that one. Gee, I wonder who would have won the most popular film had they awarded it. And how about this for a new category? Best film that was made to show in theaters and not on Netflix. You know, at one time, 40 million Americans used to watch the Academy Awards. And when I was on MASH, we would put on our worst show of the year up against the Academy Awards to hide it. Now, we put our best show up. MASH normally got 30 million viewers a week. Last year's Oscars managed only 26.5 million. MASH, a typical episode of MASH, would beat the Academy Awards. And just wait for this year's ratings. MASH on the Hallmark Channel might have beaten them. And that is my bitchy Oscar review. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go back. I offer all kinds of Oscar trivia, some of it accurate even. Feel free to find the mistakes. So a special thanks this week to Adam Butler, who got this podcast dropped so quickly. Also, thanks to Howard Hoffman, John Wilford, and, of course, Randy Thomas. Again, Randy Thomas did a great job on the Academy Awards and deserved to at least have her name mentioned once. Anyway, this episode will run until Thursday, March 7th, at which time I'll go back on my normal routine, and my guest is going to be Bruce Miller, who, among his many accomplishments in music, wrote the Frasier theme. So he will explain exactly what tossed salads and scrambled eggs really means. You're not going to want to miss that. And if you want to get in touch with me, and you just might if you take issue with any of my Oscar observations, you can always email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine and on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you're new to this podcast, first of all, welcome. And second, this is episode 
112. If you go back through the archives, you will find at least six really good ones. Okay, as Julia Roberts said, I guess that's the end. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you March 7th. Bye-bye. Hollywood. 